So we are doing a study right now uh, on Paul's epistles. Uh, the, uh, the epistles are not the wives of the apostles, just in case you were confused. Wow, that didn't work at all, did it? <laughs> the epistles were written um, in uh, answer to questions, pretty much. You know, Paul, when he would go uh, and travel from place to place, he generally would have, um, uh, he'd go and he'd show up and he'd start a church. And then in a lot of places, he didn't last very long before they ran him out of town. The established religious community would chase him out of town. Um, but he would leave in place a church and he would appoint some leaders uh, who God would show him. And then uh, he would uh, send people back when he could to see how they were doing and check on their progress. And also they would be sending him letters with questions they were having, brand new thing to church. And he would answer uh, those questions in the form of letters for the most part. Now, we're looking at the book of Romans. He actually wrote this to the Romans before he went there. He'd wanted to go there. But uh, the book of Romans is a pretty solid book of doctrine for us. And so there's a lot of things that Paul teaches us there that we need to know. And we've been looking through that already. We're, we're sort of working through Romans chapter 6 through 8 today. We'll cover some stuff in there. And make sure you know some of the ideas of things that are happening and why Paul is saying some of the things that he has to say and deal with. And um, when we get to Romans 6, in verses 1 and 2, Paul, uh, Paul says, Well, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And what's happening is... Um, so. People have a tendency to get off track. Remember I've told you, and if you're coming on the weekends in particular, that we live in tension. We live in the tension of the now and the not yet. Jesus has come, but he's coming back again. And, and he's inaugurated the kingdom. He'll consummate the kingdom when he returns. And, and so we live in a tension. And when we're reading the scripture, we need to understand it's intention. And life is intention. But culturally, we don't hang out in tension very well. We're... Our culture is kind of bottom line. We just, you know, tell us what this is and what that is. But the scripture isn't like that uh, and because of this tension that we live in. And so being aware of that, we need to understand that, that uh, we can't sort of go to the extremes where people want to go. Well, what happens early on in the church when believers hear that, that they're no longer under law, uh, a false teaching pops up called Antinomianism, and uh, it's a and it was it was prevalent. Paul has to address it. Anti meaning against, and nomos means the law, and so people would go to extreme. And what the extreme thought was that um, that there 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 are no moral laws that God expects Christians to obey, uh, and so it takes a a good teaching and takes it to an unbiblical conclusion. The biblical teaching is that that Christians aren't required to observe the Old Testament law as a means of salvation. That's no longer how it works. Um, It never worked. We've talked about that, that the law was just a placeholder. Um, Justification has always been by faith from the very beginning. But uh, people were under the law just so that they would know that they would need a Savior. That's the ultimate purpose. When Jesus comes, uh, he fulfills the law, and so we're, we're not technically under it anymore. But an unbiblical, unbiblical conclusion is 
that, that there now well, that means there's no moral laws. And, and so this is sort of the, the, where we need to live in tension because uh, the most frequent attack on, on salvation by grace alone is that some people believe it encourages sin because people sort of have this thought, well, if I'm saved by grace and all my sins are forgiven, well, then I should just sin all that I want. And th- that's kind of what popped out there as this false belief. But I believe when people get to that conclusion, they haven't really connected with Jesus in a significant way yet. Because when you sort of understand what he's done for us and what life now holds for us, our desire is no longer to go and sin. It's not, oh, now we can get away with anything we want. That, that doesn't even begin to fit sort of the picture of what we've got. Now that he's done all this for us, we t- I talk all the time, we live in response to him. And we're to live lives that please God. We're not trying to earn anything, but we are trying to live in a way that pleases and blesses him because of all that he's done for us. We, we live out of gratitude for this amazing gift he's given us of forgiveness of sin. And so um, the, the, the response that we are to have is, yes, we're forgiven, and that's an amazing thing. But that shouldn't encourage us to go and sin more. And, and if that's sort of in the people's thinker, they're missing the bigger point, and that's sort of the issue. So, so there was that going on uh, as part of it. Um, the other false teaching is that um, there are some things that God still expects us to do uh, as believers. They don't merit salvation for us, and so we're not earning anything, but pretty clear in the Scripture that he, uh, he would like us to live a certain way. First uh, John 5, 3 says, This is love for God to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. So you go, well, what's John talking about? And in effect, what he's, what he's relating to then is what we would know now. We would call it the law of Christ. And, and you go, well, if you hadn't heard of that, what's that? It was back in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Remember, they're asking Jesus, what's the most important thing? And he sort of summarizes and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So we're, we're not under the Old Testament law any longer, but this law of Christ does apply to us. And, and, and the law of Christ, it's not an extensive list of legal codes. It's the law of love. Uh, if we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we, we won't live life in a way that displeases him. We won't want to. And if we love our neighbors as ourselves, we, we won't harm them. In any way, and that's how this thing is supposed to come together. Again, that's not a requirement of salvation. Um, th- this living life out this way is just sort of what God expects from us at this point. So, so there's sort of the understanding that we have to come to. So when you, when people sort of get that idea about grace, well, that means I can do whatever I want. No, it doesn't. Uh, and when you really understand what Jesus has done for you. Again, that's not the normal response. It's not how people would go about it. Um, I, I mean, that's, it's not how I wake up in the morning. I, I sort of wake up and my, my hope is to live a, a day that pleases God. And I, I go about that way. And, you know, sometimes I do pretty well and sometimes I fall well short. But that's my heart. My, my heart is never, oh, good, I'm glad for grace I can get away with some stuff today. 
right? That's just not how it works. But, but some people sort of try that on, and that's not what it is. And when they start thinking that way, that's, that's antinomianism, and it's not brand new. It's been happening since the church started. It's got 2,000 years of history running behind it. So Jesus has freed us from the, the burdensome trying to live out the Old Testament law. But he, he fills us and empowers us by his spirit now to live the law of Christ, which is to love God all in and love our neighbors as ourselves. First uh, John 2, 3, and 6 says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And so that's sort of the, you know, the way that we understand this thing, that we've given our lives to Jesus. We're now filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're, we're desiring to live in a way that pleases him. Now, Paul also talks about some ideas in the epistles that you'll see in these chapters of Romans. And he, he talks about the natural, the carnal, and the spiritual, and what those mean. And so the natural person, he's referring to someone that's not saved yet, unregenerated. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the man without the spirit, the person without the spirit, does not accept things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. So... Um, while someone is still in that natural sort of state, unsaved, they, they can't appreciate the spiritual truth uh, of the Lord. And, and so uh, uh, we have to first understand what Christ has done for us. Um, and for people that aren't starting to move in that direction, even that seems foolishness to them. That's what Paul's saying. Uh, until, you know, we, we, in faith, give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and begins to show us and discern us uh, help us to discern what's true. He starts leading us into all truth. And, and so the, the natural person then doesn't have the Holy Spirit residing in him. That's Paul, is what Paul is saying there. Uh, and, and so flesh gives birth to flesh, Paul, Paul says, or John says, Jesus says, John 3, 6. But spirit gives birth to spirit. And so before we know Jesus, we, we can't even begin to get our head around these things. But after we come to him, it starts to make sense. If you were here um, uh, some weeks ago, I told you the story about the guy who befriended me when I was 19 by giving me sandwiches. Do you remember that story, any of you here? Bob Miller. And uh, he gave me sandwiches, and then um, he was a solid believer, and I was not in any uh, <laughs> stretch of the imagination. And... Um, he, but he became my friend, and we began to talk. And uh, at one point in, in uh, my, my life there, I was in a situation where I almost died. And he, um, he got a hold of me afterwards, and we had dinner, and he was talking to me, and he began to really open the Bible up to me. And um, he, I, I was listening to him. He had my full attention. We went on for hours. He, he talked about the gospel and what it meant. And then he sort of got me to the point where I, I was, you know, he was saying, you, you need to make a decision to follow Jesus and I, I didn't at that moment because uh, I didn't, couldn't see how Christians had any fun. And so I, I just didn't. And he handed me his Bible. I, and I, when I preached that sermon, I brought that Bible with me. I still have it. Uh, it's, it's stayed with me all these years. That with 19, that's 40 years ago. And that Bible traveled with me over the next period of time, the next six years or so, when I was still, you know, 
far away from the Lord uh, and really had gone through just about everything I had. How that Bible stayed with me fascinates me, but it did. But from time to time, I would think, you know, I'm going to read this book and uh, it just would it just wouldn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, it was just like blah, blah, blah. And I, I just couldn't do it. And um, finally, six years later, when I gave my life to Jesus and then began to open the book, all of a sudden it had a whole different flavor. And uh, the book hadn't changed. I had. And that was the whole deal. All of a sudden it popped alive. And see, so, so, so the, the, in, in the natural state, it's very difficult for us to grasp the spiritual truth of what's going on. And, uh, and so when, when we come to Christ, though, we exchange what is, is natural for what is spiritual uh, um, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, uh, 22, as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And so this transformation happens and we start to make um, progress then in our walk. And we no longer walk according to the flesh, but he says in Romans 8, 1, we start to walk according to the spirit. And so this transformation takes place in the process. So um, so there's, there's the natural and then there's the carnal that he talks about. Um, Carnal, um, are, I believe this is what Paul was saying. These are people that have actually began their relationship with Jesus, but they are not yet yielding to the Spirit in the way that they need to. And so they're, they're still trying to live this life in their own power. Now, that would apply to any of us when we are doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Uh, and so some people say, well, can people be uh, Christian and carnal at the same time? And apparently Paul says yes. Um, but they can't, if you're solid, if you're really walking this thing out, you won't just get stuck there. You'll, you'll, you'll start to make progress. But, uh, you know, all of us still make decisions that we shouldn't make. And um, when, when Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, listen to what he says. He says, brothers and sisters, I, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly mere infants in Christ. I, I gave you milk, and that, that word there was, was carnal. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly, carnal again. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, you are, are you not worldly, carnal? Are you not acting like mere uh, people there in, in the process? So, but he starts that discussion by addressing them as brothers and sisters. So these are people that have come to Christ but are still kind of really stuck in this walk and haven't begun to yield themselves to the Holy Spirit. So every time that we sin, we're acting carnally. Um, so it's part of the process. And um, we will make progress, hopefully in this journey, you see that you're making progress. But un- until we're glorified, it's still going to be part of what we deal with, is that we have a temptation to, uh, to do things that we shouldn't. And it happens all the time. And hopefully it changes, but... They still will pop up, and you'll still, you'll still do things that you, you don't want to do anymore. I mean, I, I really work on not getting frustrated at other people when I'm driving. It's not very successful. And I really concentrate on it. Like, I was in Key West this morning, and I get to that, that light, you know, where that lane merges. And I, I have to tell myself, because part of me still wants to stay in that... There's. So when you've got to leave Key West, so anybody, those guys you know what I'm talking about, right? There's three lanes there. There's, there's two that go left and one that goes straight. And there's people who feel like they can zip up on that last lane and cut over at the last second so they had not had to wait like everybody else in line. Not everybody else. There's people that 
think they're better than everybody else. And uh, I desperately want to teach them a lesson by staying in that lane and making sure it's blocked. <laughs> I always want to do that. And yet I purposely don't do that. But I, I, I can't wait for the day when it's not even running through my brain. But it still runs through my brain every time I go. I want to go. And, I, and so I make myself go in that far left lane so it's not my problem. And then I just don't look over there. So I don't have to judge those people. <laughs> but do you get it? But that's carnal. Who cares? I mean, the, the thing is, there's got to be a place in me that eventually just won't care. But there's something about that that pushes my buttons. And that's just one. I mean, there's lots of other stuff, but you don't need to hear all that mess in my life. But those are the kind of things that happen. And, and uh, I mean, but I'm way better than I used to be. And so I take some solace in that. I used to be dangerous. I would put everybody at risk to prove a point. <laughs> so when we're acting that way, fortunately, as believers, God will... Gently move us in the right direction. Uh, I hope you, you've seen some of that in your life. I, I sort of call that, so it's the mercy of God that he helps us in situations that we shouldn't be in. And, and I, I, I have this thought, so you can take this or not take this, this is on you, that um, there's, there's, there's tender mercy and then there's a different kind of mercy. And tender mercy is when you sort of get those inklings right off the bat that this isn't something you should be doing. And he gives you an opportunity to make a shift. And, and over time you realize that's when you need to make your shift. The other kind of mercy has a completely different feel to it. It's still mercy because God wants you to make good decisions. But sometimes that mercy is not fun. It's great in the fact that he does it ultimately, but it's not. And, and I think over time... It helps us to respond to his tender mercy, which is that little nudge that says, really? And you, oh, yeah, okay. So, um, you know, he, he's moving us in that direction, but he's good about that. It, it says that um, in Hebrews 12 uh, that, that he actually sort of lovingly disciplines us to help us in the right direction. And then that would increase over time if we, if we weren't going to listen to it. Remember, you know, God wants for you the absolute best life. That's the heart of God. He's not trying to keep you from the fun stuff. It's just that we've confused, because the enemy's very real and good at doing what he does, we've confused what some people are doing, and we think, well, that's the fun stuff, and it's not. God, God's, th- this adventure that we have in Christ is by far the absolute best life that you can have. There's nothing that even gets close to it, and yet the enemy, because he's a liar, that's what he does. He, everything he does is a lie. He tries to deceive people into the thought that that his way is better, and it's not. And so we need to be aware of that. And part of what's happening is we're yielding to the Holy Spirit as he's teaching us that. And then it speaks of the spiritual person. That would be somebody who um, uh, has come to Christ and is yielding to the Holy Spirit. And and that's when Paul's talking about spirit walking that way. That's what he's talking about. People who are well on the way on this journey, they really are doing their best to yield to the Spirit. Nobody does this perfectly, but, but by and large, they're, they're, they're listening, they're yielding, they're learning, they're growing, they can see some change in their life. Um, things that, that uh, you know, when they find themselves stuck in something, they're dealing with it with God. They're not just ignoring it, and, but they're, they're really digging in and they're, they're doing the things that they need to do to have some success and some victory in those areas. 
that's what's taking place. We're, we're plugged in. We, we get what God has done for us. We're, we're in love with Jesus. We want to be people that love him all in and love others well. We really want to, you know, listen to the Spirit. We're yielding to him. We're, we're doing those things that he's calling us to do. And so then in Romans 8, he begins to talk about what that looks like. Uh, Romans 8, 4, he talks about walking in the Spirit. And we, we just talked about that ourselves here on the weekend and how important it is for us to, to walk in that manner and, and to be yielded to the Spirit and to listen for him and, and to live in that way because that's where we experience life. And, and so, uh, if you remember, I, you know, I took it back into the Old Testament when we talked about Enoch and how Enoch walked with God. And he, he, he walked with God in such a way that, that at some point he just was no more. God just brought him up and so they could be together. And, and how significant that was, that that was the reward of a life that pleased God. Now, you know, our, we're blessed in that, that we have that promise when we've just in faith come to Christ. But, but our response is to be our desire to walk with him and to walk in the spirit and to be yielded to him and listening to him. And as you do that, that law of Christ is what's happening in you. You're loving God and you're loving others. It's just a byproduct of that life. We're to, to set our minds, he says in Romans 8, 5, on the things of the spirit. And, and so, you know, that's how we begin to overcome the, the pull that the flesh has on us, the pull that the enemy has on us, is we, we really start, you know, giving ourselves to well, what, does, what does God want for me in this situation? What, what, what's the best choice here? How can I, you're going you're gonna to know this one when I begin to say it, but, but how, how can I do, you know, the next right thing? That's what I want to do. And there's, there's something very freeing in that when that's your choice. I just want to do what's right next. I don't. What's the next right thing? I'm going to do that. And, and you ask God to show you what that is. And, uh, and so that's what's taking place. And you, the, the way that you, you move in that and sort of get that mess out of your life is you, you fill your life with him instead. You, you, you ask him to, to come and take over all those areas. And that's what he does. Um, Romans 8.13, we're to put to death the deeds of the body by the spirit. So what that means is before you came to Christ and you were empowered by the Holy Spirit, in your own strength, you, you never had in you to overcome the pull of the flesh and the enemy. It just wasn't in it. You, you might have had a victory every now and again, but it just wasn't going to last. But now the difference is you are empowered by the Holy Spirit that you can choose to do the right thing. You now have the power to back up the, the choice that you make. If you yield to the Holy Spirit, you may still choose not to, but you are absolutely empowered to choose to do the right thing um, because you, you need the power to back up the, the choices that you make. Because uh, just saying that you're not going to do something and trying to do that in your own strength won't work. That's why people make resolutions all the time that they don't keep because there's, there's no power in it. Uh, but, but if you are... Yielding to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is, is changing something in you, and you yield to him, you're empowered to make those changes then, and that's significantly different. And so that's what we do. We, we, uh, we sort of learn to say no to things by the Spirit, and that's when they start making changes in our life. We just we get and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to do the next right thing. Uh, and he goes on in Romans 8:14. he says, We're to be led 
by the Spirit. And um, so the Holy Spirit, so he, he leads us in a, always in a broad sense because we have the Word and we, we you know, hopefully connected to him. But he, he, he also is very specific in the way he leads as we learn to sort of press in. But, but you know, that's on us. A lot of times we just get busy and we, we're not as engaged as we should be. And, and so, um, it, you know, a lot of it is just learning to stay connected and yielded to and listening for and seeking after and taking time to sort of get him involved in the process. So, you know, in a general sense, he's always leading us through the word. He's teaching us the word. And then in a specific sense, just sort of, you know, those nudges that, that I, I hope you are tuning into that uh, he does all the time. And, and if we listen, see... I hope you've been listening to me about how there's just no coincidence. Um, you know, as we're reading the scripture and you, you see things weaving together, that, that you understand that, that this isn't coincidence. Things aren't happening coincidentally. God's in charge. And uh, he, he just wants us to be open and aware to what's happening. And you'll start to connect things um, that are amazing. Like, have you, ever, have you ever sort of had a thought about somebody and then they called or... Uh, you saw them or something happened. You, you know what I'm talking about? Those things, are, and they're to teach you that those things are connected. They're not random. They're, they're, they're not coincidental. I was at Disney World one time years ago on a youth thing. Uh, and so, wow, I was doing youth back in 90, 91, so a long time ago. And I had met somebody at another sort of meeting somewhere that I, I wanted to meet again. It was about a mission thing. And I was at Disney World, and I had this thought, oh, would really be good if that person was here. Random thought, right? And you've been to Disney World on Night of Joy? There are like four million people there. I don't know how many people there. There's a lot of people in Disney World. And, I, and there was so many people, you couldn't even move around anymore. And so I just sat down on this wall by the, the big castle in the middle, and I was just watching people walk by. And... Uh, I was, th- I was actually having those thoughts, and I, I looked, and you know who was sitting right next to me? That guy. I didn't even see him come in and sit down. And I, I remember, like, almost, like, falling out because it was so weird that he was there. And I'm like, you won't believe it, but I was just sort of thinking about you. And, and, uh, and the guy was like, oh, that's, you know, great. And we had our conversation and everything. But those things happen throughout our lives, you know, significant that, that happens. Most of you have heard me tell you that story of that, you know, with the first time I went to Cuba, we were looking for a guy named Carlos. Uh, no, it wasn't Carlos. What was his name now? Now I forget his name. Huh? Luis. Thank you. He had Carlos in his name somewhere, but Carlos was the other guy we worked. Luis. We were looking for Luis. And all we knew about Luis was that his first name. The other guy I was with had met him once years before in California when he was over for something. And he said, we need to meet him. It's significant. I'm like, well, what's his name? His name's Luis. Where does he live? Cuba. That is not a lot to go on. We traveled into Cuba. God was leading us the very first night. We walked into a church. Halfway through that service, Luis walks in. It wasn't his church. He just happened to be coming by. How does that happen? Because we have a God who's intimately involved in our lives. And he's doing that all the time. And so the, the Spirit of God... I, you know, I tell stories over there. When, when we first went, um, we, we having to go places... 
uh, over there, and, and we, we needed to see people, and we wouldn't know where they were, but, but we would be driving, and there wasn't even street signs back when I started going over there in 95, and, and somehow we would know, turn here, turn here, turn here, turn here. We would be in a rental car. It was us doing it. It wasn't us, but we were being led to go in those directions, and we would end up where we needed to be time after time after time after time. We'd pull up to a house, and it would be the right house. And, and it's weird. I look back on it now. I can't, now I can't, without my GPS working, I can't go anywhere. I get lost here. I can turn the wrong way here. But, but see, the, he's like that. And, and so he's, he's very specific at times and, 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 always in a, and is always in a general sense by the work. So um, we need to follow him. Uh, and uh, he goes on in Romans. We're, we're to know that he's our father. Uh, Paul says in Romans eight fifteen and 17, um, he, he helps us to cry out as God our Father, Abba Father, to know Him in a very real and intimate way. Uh, we're to hope in the Spirit, Romans eight twenty two through 25. So what we need to understand this hope that we have is as, as good as this life can be. It's still a fallen world and a broken planet, and a lot of stuff happens that's not that great. But our hope is always in the fact that what's coming is so much better, and that God is a restorative God and he's a redemptive God and he's he's working in the stories now and we we see tastes of the kingdom but we have a hope in what awaits us that's so much better and and that allows us then to continue to walk this life in a way that makes a difference so all these things are happening in in Romans you you should be um, reading through Romans through this study and then all of the epistles uh, I think you should be you know Pick up and read four or five chapters uh, at, a, at a chunk, and you'll get through the epistles pretty quickly. But um, hopefully these little things will help you to grasp the depth of what's taking place. But that's good enough for today. If you're watching on uh, video or online, thanks for watching. We'll see you soon. God bless you.